Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, or follow along with the overhead, whatever you prefer. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Don't forget Monday night prayer tomorrow at 6.30. Wednesday Bible study on Wednesday at 6.30. We'll be finishing up the teaching by Andrew Womack on love. As I have loved you is what it's entitled. There's five DVDs, if anyone cares to use it. It'll be here for... It's a good study. Some good teaching. Some things that we don't often hear. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks or confessing thanks to his name. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we bless you. We thank you for your blessed holy word and the anointing upon it. Thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of your word. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Spirit for all of us to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, for spiritual freedom in a free country. We thank you for freedom to Worship, pray, praise, and speak your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. We thank you, Father, for your love poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that because of that love, we can minister your word. We minister in love, we, and our ministry, Father, is a, an overflow of our relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for the fact that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. And when we speak, we speak as of the oracles of God, the very mouths and sayings of God. So, Father, we thank you. We dedicate this service and our lives to the ministry of your word. We thank you again for the blood. We speak it, we apply it, and we sprinkle it in our lives and the lives of our families. We thank you again for the anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Last week we began talking about worship and praise, the power of perfected praise and worship. We said a few things last week, and we'll just review briefly. We said that a lot of good-hearted, sincere Christians fall short in the area of praise and worship, not necessarily on purpose. You wouldn't fall short of something on purpose. You wouldn't do 20% of your job right on, uh, and only, you know, and leave 80% of it. Uh, not done on purpose. I mean, a, a good-hearted, sincere person doesn't do that. But uh, due to lack of knowledge sometimes, lack of teaching, lack of study, whatever the situation. But we see in his word that God desires, desires our worship. John chapter 4, verse 23 says, The time is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father seeks such to worship him. Why? Because it, the next verse says God is spirit. And though that wor those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we saw too what exactly what the word truth is in the Greek. It's the word aletheia or aletheia. Strong's 225. It's derived from uh, a couple of different words, to be hidden, to escape, to notice. Aletheia is the opposite of fictitious, feigned, or false, and it denotes veracity, 
reality, sincerity, accuracy, integrity, truthfulness, dependability, and propriety. Propriety. God's word is truth. He desires worship in spirit and in truth. He seeks those that worship him to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not an outward display of something that's not inward, but an outward display, I guess, of, of, of an inward conviction. He wants worship in spirit and in truth. Why? Because he's spirit. He's truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? John 14, 6. No man comes to the Father except by me. So, uh, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, he's, he is truth. Uh, we, we saw the, the definition of truth. We saw the definition of worship. Um, the best definition of this actually comes from a, a word in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 4, and verse 10. I'll just, I'm not going to read that scripture, but the word worship is proskuneo, Strong's 4352. I'm, I'm glad we don't have to speak this language, just study it. From pros, toward, and cuneo, to kiss. To prostrate oneself, bow down, do obeisance, show reverence, do homage, worship, and adore. And we said that in the New Testament, the word especially donate, donates, denotes, right church, wrong pew. The word especially denotes homage rendered to God and the ascended Christ. All believers have a one-dimensional worship to the Lord and to to the only Lord and Savior. We do not worship angels, saints, shrines, relics, or religious personages, or athletes, or movie stars we could throw in there. So our, our, our worship is one-dimensional. So we see that those who worship, worship in spirit and in truth. We saw that Jesus said that he's, uh, or that the Bible actually says that Jesus is life, and the, the life is the light of men. Of course, we, we know and have read John 1, 1 through 5 many times. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness didn't comprehend it or overcome it. Darkness will never overcome light. So we know that. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the light of men. Because of that and much more, we owe him worship and thanksgiving. And it didn't just start in the New Testament. Of course, we looked at Psalm 95, Psalm 100. You know, make, we know Psalm 100. We learned that as, as children in vacation Bible school. Those of us that uh, were forced to attend that. And uh, other, other times we learned it in Sunday school. I didn't want to go to vacation Bible school. I mean, I, you know, I was normal like the rest of you. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who has made us and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. So, you know, we, we owe it. We owe him worship and praise. And the Psalms are our, our example. We have a, a wonderful example. 
in 150 psalms, not all of them are psalms of worship and praise, but if you study them out and you see, and, and we can make them ours. We said too that words are words. We, we should, somebody said we shouldn't copy the psalms word for word and just make those our praise, but we can make them our own because if you actually, uh, changing the words to praise or worship in one of the psalms is not changing the word. Jesus said, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't pass away. And anybody that changes one jot or tittle is in, you know, is in line for the judgment. We're not going to change the word of God. We're not changing the meaning of anything. But we can make the Psalms our own. And we looked at Psalm 144 through 150 briefly. And there's a couple examples in there. And an example in Psalm 34 where it said... Uh, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. Well, I'm not going to confess that. I'll just say this man cried out and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. I'm not going to, uh, to make a confession that I'm poor. I'm not poor. I'm not poor in the natural. I'm not poor in the spiritual. I'm not poor mentally. I'm not poor physically. I'm not going to make that confession. But we can still make that psalm our own. This man cried out and the Lord heard him. Psalm 37 is another one, verse 25. It says, I, I once was young, now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Young people don't need to make that confession. They're not old. In fact, I don't know where you draw the line. You know, I, I don't know where, where the line is drawn to be to say that somebody's old. Some people, you look at them and they act, they've acted old since they were 35 years old. And you look at somebody else that's the same age, they don't. So, you know, maybe you don't want to make that confession either. But young people wouldn't make the, the confession in Psalm 37 or, or make that their own. I was young, now I'm old, I'm not seeing the righteous. You can just say, I'm young, I'm going to stay young. And I'm not seeing the righteous forsaken. There is a sentence breaking bread. We can make these our own. We can make them our examples. But it's not changing the word of God. Understand it. What are we going to be doing for eternity? We're going to be praising and worshiping. We need to learn how to do it. We saw in, in a couple of openings there in Revelation exactly what's going on. And it, well, let, let me just turn there real quick and I'll read that. You know, it, it's... You know, why learn something later down the road when you can pick it up now? In verse 10 it says, The twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him. And I already read the definition of that. Who, who lives forever and ever and casts their crowns before the throne, saying, You're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by you they will exist, they exist and were created. So we need to learn how to do this. I mean, it, this is not something that's that should be academic or something that we just push aside. He expects it. We saw that in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. You know that opening quite well. Ten lepers cried out to Jesus. He said, go show yourselves to the priests. They were healed as they went. One returned to give him thanks, and it was a Samaritan, you know, a foreigner. He said, where's the other nine? Didn't they return? You know, do we get a 10% ratio of praise and worship? I don't know. 
But there's power in perfected praise and worship. And we need to study it and understand it. True worship, true praise, true Holy Ghost power. It's there for us. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, You're holy. You're holy. Who inhabitest, the King James says, or the New King James says, enthroned. You, you're holy who, are, who is enthroned in the praises of Israel. And we're spiritual Israel. So he's enthroned in our praises. So there's power in, in perfected praise and worship. And that brings us up to date to today. And we'll continue along these lines somewhat today. And as we're led. So we saw in Hebrews chapter 13, our, our text for today. Therefore by him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. There's a... Someone's cut the book of Hebrews out of my... There it is. There's a good explanation here about the sacrifice of praise. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. A lot of Christians look at that as, well, that... It's a sacrifice of something natural. You know, I'll, I'll give you the, an example of the sacrifice of something natural. Go to the dentist and have a tooth extracted. That's a sacrifice of something in the natural. You know, praise and worship is not a tooth extraction. You know, if you got a bill lately for a car repair, that's the sacrifice of something natural. Or a vehicle repair in any way. You know, if you couldn't do it yourself and you had to have somebody to do it, or maybe uh, an appliance repair or something. That's the sacrifice of something in the natural. This sacrifice of praise and worship is something that we do willingly, gladly, happily. It's really a sacrifice of praise and worship. Dis, you know, displacing animal sacrifices. Thank God we don't have to do that, right? And other, the other sacrifices we see in the Old Testament, we'll not go into all that. But the, I, I like the, uh, this particular commentary. It says, why is praising God a sacrifice? The word sacrifice comes from the root thuo, a verb meaning to kill or slaughter for a purpose. What are we killing? Praise often requires that we kill our pride, fear, or sloth anything that threatens to diminish or interfere with our worship of the Lord. And that word sloth, I, I saw that in another Bible study this week. Sloth is not laziness. Sloth is just getting set in your ways to the point where it's second nature, humdrum, ho-hum. We kill our pride, fear, or sloth, anything that threatens to diminish or interfere with our worship of the Lord. We also discover... Here, the basis of our praise, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't put that on a level of a tooth extraction or paying a bill or sacrificing something. No. It is by him, in him, with him, to him, and for him that we offer our sacrifice of praise to God. Praise will never be successfully hindered when we keep its focus on him. Just what we saw last week. 
true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. The Father seeks such to worship him. He's, he's a spirit. True worshipers worship in spirit and truth. Praise will never be successfully hindered when we keep its focused on, focus on him, the founder and completer of our salvation. His cross, his blood, his love gift of life and forgiveness to us. Keep praise as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Where would that come from? Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The margin here in my study Bible says spiritual service, which is your spiritual service, your actual service, your rational service it's rational to present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable don't be conformed to this world but transformed by the renewing of your mind renewing of your mind to the word of God right renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and whether you tie that all as one, good, acceptable, and perfect, or that's three levels of God's will, it, it doesn't matter. However you look at it. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's, that's not extracting teeth. Well, I'm going to sacrifice my arm. No. No. It's in worship and praise. Hebrews chapter 2. Before I get too far ahead of myself, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. We see something here. For it was fitting for him, capital H, for whom all things, whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies, those who are being sanctified, are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I'll declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I'll sing praise to you. And again, I'll put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. The author emphasizes the genuine humanity of Jesus. The path that he trod as the suffering redeemer was fitting, for thereby he was made perfect. Doesn't mean Jesus had moral shortcomings. He only he, he became perfect, complete as an all-sufficient Savior. So what's that have to do? It's actually he identifies himself so closely with his people and enters into songs of worship with them. That's kind of the counterpart to Psalm 22:3. He's enthroned in the praises of Israel. Jesus enters in with us as brethren. It's hard to picture that. We're children of God, brethren with Jesus, sister too with Jesus, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. We're in 
infilled and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's what I enjoy about it. You can't figure it out through natural mind. Don't even try. Thank God it's true. Ephesians chapter 5. We see an example here. Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's expected of us Jesus expects it. The Father God expects it. We reverence the Holy Spirit. It's expected. And it's, and it's a sacrifice of praise and worship displacing other sacrifices. Thank God for it. Here's an example in the Old Testament of victorious praise. We'll look at it in 2 Chronicles. We're all familiar with this, but it's a good study and a good read. If you're not familiar with it, you'll love it. If you are, just bask in it as we read it. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We have to set the whole thing up, see where it came from. It happened... After this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others, and with them besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. From Syria, and they're in Hazon Tamar, which is En Gedi, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. That's the best thing he could have done, right? Or he could have wrung his hands and walked around and lived in dread. Now it said he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And you know, Judah means praise in the Hebrew. Fast throughout all Judah. Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Why don't we do this more in the body of Christ? Don't expect people to do it outside unless they're coming to him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your, your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we'll stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you'll hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them, did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to, to throw us out 
of your possession which you have given us to inherit. See, they laid the groundwork in fasting and prayer. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Kind of like in the book of Acts, when they were all in one accord in one place, right? They got together on this. They got before the Lord. Kind of like what Jesus is talking about in Mark eleven twenty three, but we'll look at that in a minute. Then the Spirit of the Lord, <clears throat> verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, <clears throat> the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. If we could grasp that, tomorrow go, go down against them. They'll surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You'll not need to fight in this battle. What does the New Testament say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against you know, principalities, powers, rule of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in the heavenly. You'll not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Thank God. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah... And the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Thank God they didn't go and watch television, right? Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. That word believe, it doesn't mean just believe that he exists. In the, in the Hebrew, it's aman. To be firm, stable, established. Also to be firmly persuaded. To believe solidly. In other words, have faith. We'd say it nowadays, have faith. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. You ever hear that before? Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments, ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And some people want to get technical and say, well, there were angels involved. And, you know, others say, well, the, you know, the Lord got them to fight against each other. It doesn't matter which way. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were 
and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away all the spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. They were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. They fasted, they prayed, they worshipped, they praised, they appointed a choir. Simple as that. They didn't have to fight. None were lost. The enemies were all killed. The Lord set ambushments. Whether it was angelic or they fought each other. You know, it says here they fought each other. I don't see anything mentioned about angels. But I'm sure they were involved. Whichever or both, doesn't matter. God brought total victory through the power of perfected praise. Outnumbered. You know, not, not as strong in numbers. The Bible says people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. These are exploits. If you look at Mark eleven twenty three, you all know it backwards and forwards, I'm sure. I'm sure some of you could say it backwards if you thought about it. But Mark eleven twenty three, what did Jesus say? For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, but not doubt in your heart. Believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. And it's the same thing. It's a mountain of adversity. He's talk, not talking about a physical mountain. That was a mountain of adversity they faced. Children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Outnumbering them. Praise and thanksgiving to God should be part of what we say. In fact, you know, if you look through the Psalms and you want to see God move, look at all the times. Look at all the times that, that it happened. And, and it, all they did was obey God, get before Him and fast and listen to His voice. Praise and worship. You know, a natural example of that would be, you know, if you if talking about cars and mechanics and so forth, if you took your, your car to somebody who didn't know what they were doing, they might find the problem, luckily. But chances are you need to take it to someone who knows what they're doing. What do we do? You know, we oftentimes we want, run to the world for the solutions when all we have to do is is put it before the Lord with worship, praise. They fasted and prayed. Lord, to ask somebody to fast nowadays to miss a meal, can you imagine that? And I know many of you do, and many of you spend a lot of time in prayer. I, I'm not thinking about anybody particular, but. You know, to get before the Lord, to set aside something. Look at Psalm 107. Some of these psalms, you know, they're, they're put together in structure. If you study them out, some of them have refrains. Some of them are, are you know, you, you'd like to hear them put to music. Some have, We've put some of them to music. If you look at this one, there's a refrain in verses 1, 8, 15, 21, and 33. 
But it starts out like this. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He's good. For His mercy endures forever. That's, that's in that verse, in verse 8, verse 15, 21, and 33. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. But we write a song that, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and somebody shouts so. Come on. That, that's... <laughs> let the redeemed of the Lord say so I'm redeemed from poverty sickness and death let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west from the north and the south they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way they found no city to dwell in hungry and thirsty their soul fainted then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, fills the hungry soul with goodness. And you can look all the way down through that. And it's the same. It's thanks and praise. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. It's wonderful works to the children of men. Look at, at verse 17 there. Fools, because of their transgressions, because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. We don't need animal sacrifices. We don't need to have our teeth pulled. We don't need to pay every nickel out of our pocket for something. It's a sacrifice of praise and worship from our hearts. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And declare his works with rejoicing. The only thing you have to sacrifice is a few minutes of time out of your heart. New Testament counterpart? Certainly we have one. Philippians chapter 4. What better one? Right? Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding stands guard as a sentry on your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus in other words he's saying have anxiety care fear and dread for nothing be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication you know it didn't say the prayer of supplication, it says prayer and supplication. Supplication is more than petitioning. It suggests an intensity of earnestness in extended prayer. Not to gain merit by many words. We know. We know that. But to fully transfer the burden of one's soul, mind, will, and emotions into God's hands. Prayer and peace are closely connected. One who entrusts cares to Christ instead of fretting over them will experience the peace of God to guard him from nagging anxiety. But notice 
with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Prayers of all kinds, of all that are necessary in a certain situation, and supplication. Prayers of request, prayer of petition, supplication. And here's where people miss it too. They get into a situation and they don't know how to pray in that situation. You know, I don't know how to fix my car. I take my car to a mechanic. If you don't know how to pray, don't go to somebody else that doesn't know how to pray. Or listen to somebody else that doesn't know how to pray. Just like if, if you ever see any kind of forum or, or a, a panel or anything on television and these liberal news services and stuff, they always get together a group of priests. has to be a Catholic priest. Did you ever notice that? Not always, not 100% of the time, but 95. Why? Because they're supposed to know everything, I guess. And the Catholic religion, and I'm not coming against Catholics, but they, they depend on someone else to study the Bible for them. Don't do that. We don't do that. Study it yourself. But if you don't know particularly how to pray, go to someone who does. Go to the Word of God and find out. If you can't, go to somebody who knows how. Somebody that's been studying it all their lives. I can't fix your car, but I can pray for you. I know how to pray. I've studied. And there's others here that pray, that are prayers. We need to do that in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made. And we praise him for who he is, not only for what he's done. We know who he is. We know all the, the uh, Jehovah names, don't we? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Rue, Jehovah Makadish, Jehovah uh, Shalom, all those. We know all those. We know El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. You praise him for who he is and for what he's done and for what he continues to do. Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are his works. And we need to make some of these psalms ours again. Here, here's one. We'll close with this. Go to Psalm 136 and look at this one. I mean, really, you need to study the entire book of Psalms and see these Psalms of praise. We'll skip Psalm 118 for now, but Psalm 136, uh, you, you need to see this, how this is structured. You know this is from the heart of God. Thanksgiving to God for His enduring mercy. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. Forever, we think of the word forever, you know, is always. It means eternity, the ages, infinity, the universe, the world, derived from the verb alam in the Hebrew. It refers to that infinite and everlasting expanse God has created. It's both an unending expanse of space 
which is the universe, and time, which is eternity, indicating the limitless dimensions in which God's sovereignty is displayed. The word sometimes refers to the remotely distant past, sometimes to the remotely distant future. God is called El Elam, the everlasting God. As God is eternal, so is his mercy. That is, unto the forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy goes on forever. Endures, the literal meaning is, because forever is his mercy. Because forever. It looks like endures is, you know, oh, I'm going to trudge along, enduring my mercy forever. We have to study this out. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. This, this approach to worship is oftentimes omitted from modern Pentecostal charismatic services due to its being liturgical, yet is a, it's a biblically acceptable expression. Probably the leader recited the first part of each verse, recounting God's acts in creation and in Israel's history, and the congregation responded with his mercy endures forever. So if you see it that way, you can understand why it's written that way. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. You know, it, it goes on and you look at the end there in verse 23. It says, who remembered us in our lowly estate. Well, that was when we were yet sinners. The New Testament says, who remembered us in our lowly estate, for his mercy endures forever, and rescued us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever, who gives food to all flesh, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. Worship and praise, sacrifice is minimal, benefits are unending. We need to see this. See the importance of it. There's power in perfected praise and worship. We need to act on it. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you and we bless you. We thank you for all these descriptive evidences in your word about how important praise and worship is. You forgive us for putting it sometimes on the back burner. We know your word tells us that true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. We do that. We know that you seek such to worship because you are spirit. So thank you, Father, for the time, the place. And no matter where we are, we know we can praise you. We can worship you. We can thank you. We don't have to fear in this country. We don't have to fear what others think or say or somebody making fun. We just know that we can thank you and praise you at any time and any place, as long as it comes from our heart. We thank you for that privilege. We consider it a privilege, Lord, to be able to worship you and praise you. We don't consider it a sacrifice like we're losing a part of our being or a part of a, or something out of our wallet. We thank you for the privilege of worship praise, the highest form of prayer. Now we honor you today. We magnify and glorify and bless you. 
We thank you as always for who you are, not just for the things that you've done. We bring the sacrifice of praise continually, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand? Father, we thank you for the blood of salvation, healing, preservation, prosperity, deliverance, peace, preservation, perpetuity. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your love poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your protection. Jesus prayed himself not to take us out of this world, but to protect us from the evil one. So we thank you. Thank you, Father, that you always hear us. For we ask according to your will. When we do, we know you hear us. When you hear us, we have the petitions that we desire of you. So we thank you that you hear us. When we stand before you in prayer, thank you. And thank you for the answers. For all your promises are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Thank you. We praise you and thank you. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. And Father, we know that because your word tells us that not to always look at the temporary things of this earth, because those things are temporary, but the things of the spirit are eternal. We know that things aren't always as they seem. So we look at the things of the spirit, set aside those natural things, keep our sight set on Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, we know that in him, by him, through him, for him, do we worship, praise, and thank you. Thank you, dear Father. Thank you for the blood. We know that you seek true worshipers, true praisers, true people of thanksgiving and thankful hearts. That's us. Here we are. We thank you and we praise you and we love you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. In the name of Jesus.